Hello and welcome to Move Conversations. This is your host Venkat. In this episode, we talk to A Shivram. Shivram is a fellow IFTM and runs his own consulting and training firm called Retail Gurukul. He was the former head of uh, All India Merchandising Training and Regional Sales at Tanishk, the well-known uh, brand of jewelry chain in India, which belongs to the Tata Group. My co-producer Mrigank and I were classmates of Shivaram at the Indian Institute of Foreign Trade. So, welcome to Move Conversations Trade Stuff. Thank you, Shivaram. So, you know, let's let's begin with the start of your career in 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 retail. When was that? Uh, start of career in retail was really after I joined, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier to that, I was actually in a B two B sales role, uh, but in Titan, uh, I actually started off uh, uh, as one of the back end operations. Uh, coming from the IAFT background, I was handling the uh, supply chain portion of uh, of uh, Titan's exports. At that okay. time, they were doing, uh, you know, it was the first time that Titan was entering the European market uh, with watches and jewelry. Mm-hmm. Uh, subsequently, you know, uh, it was going through some challenges, and uh, uh, I, I mean, it's one of the many moves that I made within the Titan system, where I went and offered myself to say that I want to move into another department. Okay. And um, and that's how I actually moved into the distribution side of the watches in India. Okay, and that was my beginning of my journey into uh, retailing. So, so that time Tanish had not been established, or it was already it had there. just started. Just, uh, just started, so, but it was not such a big thing that uh, you know it went on to become. So, was it the nineties? Uh, this is uh, should have been ninety uh, two. I started. 92. I joined Titan in ninety two. So about uh, you know around that ninety five is when the Tanish business started. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you might have been among the early, uh, you know, yeah, so, joined, uh, uh, you know, uh, it actually, uh, my face in Titan is actually two, two, two decades. So the first okay. decade I spent in the watches side of the business okay. uh, where I was uh, for a couple of years, I was in the export side, uh, mostly watches, some jewelry. Uh, then I was in the watches distribution. Uh, there, that was about 10 years. Then, uh, there were some, uh, you know, management changes within the, the Tanishk system. And right. that's when I moved into the Tanishk side of the business. And then I was there for another 10 years. So in all, I keep saying that I did nine uh, job roles in Tanish, in Titan. Uh-huh. Uh, I think five I went and asked, four they called and gave me. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. I've always been uh, a new job every two to two and a half years. Right. No, that's interesting. I, I, I guess there's a lot of things that uh, people can learn from that because I, people do say that, like you know, in the future, that's how it's it's it may be. Uh, you know, um, job roles may change every two three years. Right. But let's let's focus on your uh, you know uh, you know Indian jewelry experience. So when you joined, uh, you know, and moved into the jewelry retail side uh, of the Tata Group. So what was the landscape like when when you started out? So you see, uh, uh, the idea of starting the jewelry portion uh, for Titan came from European markets, where uh, mm. uh, you know luxury uh, retailers typically sell both uh, high-end watches and jewelry. Mm. Uh, so from that point came the movement into uh, you know exporting high-end uh, uh, jewelry and high-end watches. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in the domestic space also the company said that you know what is happening in europe uh, uh, can probably happen in india so we okay. started off with uh, uh, european style 18 carat uh, uh, diamond jewelry okay typical high end boutiques mm-hmm. uh, so we were one of the first uh, why, why we were we were the only high end or uh, organized retailer at that point of time uh, uh, late 90s uh, to Uh, really open these uh, uh, boutique kind of jewelry stores typically earlier uh, you know it would be these mom and pop stores uh, correct very very uh, traditional kind of an environment but here was a completely outlier trying to sell uh, uh, trying to sell high end jewelry and right. uh, it was a very different uh, uh, you know environment at that point of time and so for a couple of years uh, the business was actually uh, losing money so there was always this question uh, almost every day in fact when i moved into the tanishk uh, uh, jewelry side of the business from the watch side uh, lots of people thought i was a mad fellow because at that time the watch business was doing uh, was doing the profits and yeah, the jewelry, uh, business was really eating away all those profits right so so when you talk about the stores that uh, tanishk opened uh, you know uh, also remember those aspects of them uh, you know oh, with uh, 18 carat but with diamond and so on and so forth so the the question i have is did they open uh, all company stores at that time or that time itself they opened a combination of own stores and franchise oh, stores that's a good thing that uh, titan has consistently uh, you know uh, followed right mm. when you are experimenting with something new right Uh, mm. uh you have to like uh, you know you have to eat your own uh, doggy bag right, <laughs> right. So, so you have to sit put your money where your mouth is uh, much more difficult to get an outsider to invest in a concept which is uh, untried or untested so right. typically a- across multiple brands that titan has launched um, start with a company store experiment do all the trials and uh, you know Uh, and maybe more tribulations also right mm. and then as the model matures then right. you will see people getting more and more interested in uh, in uh, you know your your business model and uh, say yeah. that like yeah. hey i also want to be part of that part right? of the story part of the story that's how it evolved so initially in all their brands it's initially a company store company stores and then slowly and slowly it will become uh, uh, you know it could it be either yeah it's a franchisee participation right so so now they have like they have i, I i'm sure a quite a mature model because when i look at it uh, that they the numbers are around like five franchisee stores for every one company stores if i look at the macro numbers so so in the early days when you moved from company stores and were you know uh, convincing others to join the franchisee model and probably some people were convinced and wanted to be part of that so how did you select uh, you know um, franchisees in early days and what were the criteria i know you're not speaking on behalf of the company in any way but you know general guidelines and you know generally sharing from happens, experience uh, yeah so generally what happens is you know um, you are looking for some kind of a uh background in um in uh, i mean entrepreneurship or business most obviously most of them are business people already and okay. uh, they are a little um what should i say ahead of the time uh, mm-hmm. because they want to get into a uh, into a uh, into an arrangement as a franchisee typically as you see initial stages uh, uh, you know 
uh, people are used to running their own even if for a businessman he is very used to running his own uh, uh, business so to right. move to a franchisee model where a lot of uh, um, a lot of things come from the company but a lot of it also comes with uh, conditions attached you know the branding it should be like this the interior should be like this this should be the kind of pricing that you will do this is the kind of service you will deliver this is the kind right. of customer expect experience experience that, yeah right so these are all quite uh, uh, quite a uh, quite a challenge also sometimes for uh, some of the independently minded uh, uh, retailers right but, uh, business people but some people see that as a um, plus as a right good, as a huge learning opportunity because uh, you know uh, for them a lot of it is taken care of by the organization many of them are exactly are passive investors they just have to run the operations the right. complexities of running a brand building exercise that gets taken away because there is an organization which is well known which takes which care of that experience. right 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 so 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 essentially the criteria for selecting a person was uh, entrepreneurial ability maybe some retail experience anything yeah. else uh, entrepreneurial retail experience and also the ability to invest because you know one of the things about the franchisee model is uh, Uh, it's happening in the hotel industry for example right now they are all talking of what is called as asset light models right yeah and uh, uh, premier retailing spaces are always a, are, are always a challenge in any city in any country also i presume right. so there is a certain amount of space somebody is either owning it or he is able to rent it out lease it out right mm-hmm. and uh, if you are to get into every city every store then it becomes a very complex um, organizational challenge also you know imagine you are a landlord in 500 cities right, right? so, so what's a range of investment in in a, in a uh, you know jewelry uh, franchisee it's depending on i know it will range but but like you know like okay so, if you don't have this much you know, to to investable uh, money don't think about it to hey okay then scale it up based on where you are which it city depends so really right um, um, if you, again comes from the brand or an independent retailer um, today we have clients who have got uh, just a 1 crore rupees worth of uh, investment in the inventory right from there you can do let's say 1.5x or 2x as the initial investment in the uh, leased property and the interiors right mm-hmm. uh, from there it can go all the way uh, to you know 50 kgs 100 kilos uh, of gold itself as uh, investment again there are different models which are now working there are uh, many chain stores which run complete owned properties and own uh, uh, stores uh, the tanish model is uh, like what you said right a few um, company owned stores but lots of them on the franchisee model so for that model of franchisee again uh, it comes in uh, uh, you know two types where the uh, it's like buy and sell completely mm-hmm. including the inventory the store operations everything is run by the franchisee he he buys the jewelry from the company and sells it to the consumer and makes a a a, a margin right. the other model where is the company invests on the inventory because as the businesses is businesses scale right, right. it is no longer easy for a uh, you know individual to be investing uh, 50 right. kilos and 100 kilos worth of um, of uh, gold. gold or diamond in on the inventory right 50 crores 100 crores 50 kg mm. 100 it can vary anything yeah so the company because of its large size is able to invest and the franchisee runs the operations under the tanish brand name or whichever brand name it is 
and he gets a smaller percentage of the commission because the investment cost is borne by the company company right right okay okay cool so um after opening in major metros i mean we were talking about the you know 90s and beyond uh, you know india had you know started experiencing the growth and the, you know after the 91 liberalization after the 2000 we really started see and late 90s and then again in the 2000s it started uh, you know the economy started picking up steam so after opening in the major metros uh what criteria you know were used to select the next set, set of cities to expand so you see it's a it's so a, this is not about like you know individual level but it is like uh, you know how do you choose uh, so what cities to expand yeah so what happens typically is uh, um uh, as you grow right it's a, typically an organic growth right depends upon uh, where are you seeing a, a success where are you not seeing the success right so if you are seeing success in let's say uh, because the headquarters is let's say bangalore and uh, you have a tendency to be much more familiar with let's say the south indian markets right and if chennai and bangalore are uh, success stories or hyderabad is a success story then you look for next uh, level of town which could be a vijayawada or a vizag or a coimbatore or a uh, you know bangalore or a hubli right mm-hmm. so the next uh, tier 2 towns right is when you start looking around so if the let's say the delhi market is uh, doing well then probably the nearest uh, will be say lucknow right and uh, like that you keep uh, going deeper and deeper and deeper into tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 but having said that it does not uh, it is not necessarily a linear Uh, really. yeah. so that's that's exactly was my question so even between two tier one or two tier two tier two or uh, you know uh, non linear uh, thing so wh- when 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 you go and evaluate certain cities what would be the um, you know city criteria so what typically that happens, that you would look at yeah so what typically happens is you know um, you pick um, there is a regional team typically which does this kind of uh, uh, effort right so they are the people who have been also part of the you know either earlier in the sales team or only business development teams and things that people who are familiar with it and then there is a set of guidelines the guidelines will be uh, you know what is the market size what is the kind of profile of the consumer what is the income levels what is the competition are there properties that are typ- typically available for this kind of a uh, business mm-hmm. what kind of a franchisee is available Uh, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes um, all of it will fit in but you will not get a property or you might have a franchisee who comes with a property but it doesn't necessarily fit uh, you know fit with the these kind of criteria or you mm-hmm. might have a, a a franchisee willing to you know kind of invest but there is no property mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so uh, these are all multiple uh, variables every time right not to that time from that time to let's say any any point of time in any business these are all variables it keeps depend because end of the day it's still a brick and mortar business okay right? so on the on the consumer and markets uh, estimation side right uh, we 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 know that like there's only so much you can actually get data about certain markets right especially and in, in the days of in in an emerging economies i mean you can make all models but but in reality there are all, often you have to get some gut feels right so so let me let me throw some ideas and you tell me like you know that may not be true but uh, you tell me what else would, would would fit in so when you go to the such a city would you look for like hey there are some 
Mercedes Benz being driven here, uh, you know, hey, what's what's so going on multiple. here? Or yeah. maybe suddenly there are more multiplexes coming out, or you know, are, are there? Uh, so I'm I'm asking, what are the other you know visual and uh, you know uh, gut things that you look for, right? So, like I said, uh, before that, you kick the tires. Sure. So basically, you'll also look for uh, um, even other branded entry. Apart okay. from whatever you That's... said, right? You look for other brands. Have they made made a made, a, uh, made an foray into the market, or are you the first one? Uh, mm -hmm. I'll give you a, 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 a an opposite example. Apart from saying that, okay, you know, here are the seven eight criteria. Right. Uh, there is there are other not necessarily jewelry store. There are let's say two or three large jewelry local uh, family run businesses. So if they are doing well, there must be an opportunity sitting here. Then there are other brands which are opening up. Maybe there is a Bata initial stages. You know, you'll see a Bata or a, uh, some kind of a very old established uh, uh, or even Titan retailers, right? So right, you talk right. to the Titan retailers because they know you, you know them, right? right. Many of the early uh, franchises were Titan retailers. Okay. Right? So they said, yeah, you know, we, have, we know how the organization works. We have the infra infrastructure and the investment uh, capability. Right. So we would like to take it on. Right. And uh, then you will also go and see, uh, you know, literally you'll go and see what kind of uh, uh, houses are there or what kind of areas and buildings are That's there. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so what kind of new houses are coming from? Yeah, but coming the, up, the yeah. opposite side of also is... Uh, for some of your readers who may be familiar with Bangalore, right? Kormangla at one point of time was an upcoming, uh, um, uh, you know, residential Estate. market, right? Yeah. And uh, there was really no uh, shopping, shopping activity in that area, right? right? So even though it doesn't fit into any of these uh, criteria, right? We decided to open the um, store right there in, uh, you know, Kormangla. Mm. Right. Now, of course, it's a huge uh, hub over the last maybe 15 years, but uh, 90, 2012, 2000, uh, 2000, yeah, no, 2002, 2008, right. 2009, right? Mm. It was not such a big hot area where it is today in 10, 12 years, right? Mm -hmm. So like that, you could be very contra criteria to go and open a store exactly. because we think that the residential market there is a, uh, is a upcoming or a high uh, upper middle class market because the brand exactly. caters to that upper middle class segment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe uh, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like for example, uh, maybe for Bangalore, if you see a bigger trend in uh, you know people who are going overseas, sending more repatriations, you see more uh, NRA remittance activities, or for example, similarly in Kerala, more you know Gulf remittances coming in and things like that. Would, would would they also factor in? It may not be directly related to remittances, but I think it's more to do with the um, oh. with the income levels in the market. Yeah, there are two exactly. different criteria, right? It is right. a very aspirational brand. So right. the remittances as such, right, is generally coming from a... a, a there are two kinds of remittances. I would put it right. Uh, the Middle East market, where the uh, where there is a large blue collar uh, labor force, right? That community of consumers don't necessarily probably shop in the Tanishka. But yeah. if you take the let's say the U.S. markets, right? Um, uh, that may be still part of the so-called repatriation. Though I don't don't think it's a large. They won't. They won't still call it that way. But then you can see the lifestyle starting. But that to lifestyle, change. that community would be would be a, a, a real suitable target audience. 
Yeah. So, so, so those, those, those are the kind of things because this gives us a good uh, lead, lead uh, you know, into the next uh, thing to, you know, uh, discuss from a marketing standpoint is, uh, you know, what would be the segments that you, Tanish, started, uh, you know, targeting. And uh, you did mention about the middle class and upper middle class, right? So, so, so what else? Demographic is SECA or A plus to some extent B, right? Mm. Um, and majority for, for some of the uh, you know listeners who may be abroad and are not familiar with the Indian clarific classification uh, can you explain right. those? Uh, you know um, um, basically it's an income uh, income and profile right does the family have a car does the family own a house the family right. have uh, ABCD of uh, you know electronics uh, items right. and things like that some of it could still be old data but right. based on these kind of stuff, you say, okay, this is a market. This is the kind of consumer profile, demographic, psychographic, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is there a um, uh, educational level? Those are the kind of uh, criteria that you use overall mm -hmm. population size, right? Mm -hmm. Consumer consensus data. And then say, okay, the, uh, this is the kind of uh, profile which we are otherwise targeting. As okay. a brand, we are targeting this, uh, you know, like I said, upper middle class and aspirational middle class consumers, right? Not mm -hmm. very high end. Mm -hmm. It's not a very fine luxury brand. Though mm -hmm. in an Indian context, it is seen as an aspirational brand, right? Correct. Right, right. So so, so those would be the segments and then you probably look for it, uh, keep that in mind in, in, in when you enter other cities also, yeah, right? Yeah, Whether yeah. There are such so the, brand, the brand is positioned. Right? Yeah, exactly. Then based on that, you search for pockets of... Uh, uh, potential customers and then you go back go into it and say okay is this population um, uh, you know available in these kind of markets yes population mm -hmm. is available then is the property there is the franchisee there is the you know high street available or should you go to a residential property you know right. those kind of criteria you keep uh, uh, like i'll give you an example of uh, mysore which we opened let's say there is an area which is completely residential and then mm. there is a main street, high street, as you call it, right? Mm. So mm. finally, the decision was, you know, we would rather be in this small town, we would be on the high street rather than on the, in an upmarket residential market. Because the right. visibility moved into, moved into shopping in there. Whereas in Bangalore, we opened in a residential uh, area because we had already populated the high streets. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, these are, these are very interesting things to, to, to Because to in Bangalore, I think it was the sixth store at that point of time. Whereas in Mysore, it was the first store. First store, and it has to have that visibility. Visibility, and, uh, and it should capture the maximum of uh, the market. Right, right. So, you know, the, the other thing is, uh, you know, when we are talking about customers, uh, many in India, you know, traditionally bought uh, gold ornaments as assets. Right, uh, and in case of a crisis, they wanted to be able to sell maybe based on weight and you know get some decent money that that they invested. Investment. But yeah, investment, right? So modern Indian uh, gold jewelry, you know, within which which you know you had been one of the uh, earlier pioneers in in uh, you know we have been the pioneers in in moving it across the, uh, India. So this had more design value, if I'm if I understood correctly, than weight in gold. So, there are so two, how did these corporate jewelry companies position these products and their brands in such a market, which has the weight mindset? So what happens is, uh, that's what I said, right? It's all about the brand and the brand position, right? Mm -hmm. The brand is positioned as a design-oriented uh, jewelry brand, right? But the cultural um, ethos is that, okay, it is a design brand. I get great shopping experience, but I still want my... Uh, 
um, investment safety angle covered mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. so while the traditional jeweler might probably be talking of you know uh, it is an investment 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 in a and i'm talking about the early part of the you know to, to uh, this 20th century right right and they may still be talking about uh, investment from an uh, for the marketing purposes here was the brand which was talking about let's say design sensibilities and things like that. so the right. the uh, younger population uh, was uh, attracted to this kind of um, uh, this kind of a design positioning or the brand positioning whereas okay. the customer's mother might still be interested in the investment angle so the answer in the uh, in the communication also is you know uh, uh, this is uh, what do you call um, uh, quality is tested purity is guaranteed you know which was another opportunity uh, you know for the brand to highlight the uh, trust factor of the tata group right. so so the investment buyback uh, you know gold value all that were communicated by saying that uh, you know uh, this is this is really what uh, what we all stand for as a brand right right so when you talk about um, you know uh, targeting the younger uh, women at that point of time so it w- was it more towards uh, i guess working women who who had a different uh, mindset from 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 their uh, parents and they would have time, gone, uh, you know the and, number of working women wasn't really that uh, uh, that very large to say will only target the working women so what okay. is targeted is you know between 25 to 45 years of age okay uh, you know uh, people are looking for uh, like i said design sensibilities maybe a little more open not mm. necessarily um, uh, staying with the parents maybe they're staying separately maybe they're staying in some other town right mm. so for them uh, to see a pan india brand uh, we have had examples where Uh, the lady uh, you know she is living in bangalore maybe maybe working may not be working visits a right. particular mm. tanish store takes mm. the order reference or a product reference sends it to her mother in let's say lucknow mm. and that lady uh, you know goes to the store checks out the design right, right. then okays the design and then the purchase is made here or it is the opposite the lady goes to lucknow selects the product sends it across here in bangalore and this lady a, a, and approves it and then it is purchase is made all kinds of that's the benefit of a pan india chain right right so so given your experience and you know since you talked about two different uh, cities and uh, people being able to check the uh, models and things like that so since you have worked with a diverse range of companies in this industry you know what criteria would you use to select the merchandise and skus for jewelry stores and does it change with with different cities and uh, you so know what happens uh, you know i'll split this into two parts so right once upon a time uh, you know in the first maybe Uh, 10 years of titan tanish's journey right mm. uh, we were always trying to play catch up with the ro- local retailers mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the constant uh, refrain was that the local retailer is having two times three times the stock right and uh, the newness which which is possible to be introduced because it's a uh, single store or a two store where the boss is the owner is the decision maker obviously he is able to churn Uh, bring in new designs at a much faster pace then right. somewhere uh, i think 19 uh, 2008 or 2009 um, mm-hmm. we had as a group uh, opportunity to work uh, on the theory of constraints model right okay. so that theory of constraint model talks about 
uh, what is the kind of which is the biggest constraint so the one of the weakest link in the chain right <laughs> so we identified merchandising as the weakest link okay and then we started you know uh, building uh, merchandise and assortments uh, uh, which are more pan india okay right? so there is more um, uh, opportunities for uh, best sellers to be accessible and available consistently more often across pan india and then mm -hmm. there is a layer which is a, a local flavor okay right? okay so okay that brought out the economies of scale earlier that economies of uh, you know uh, merchandise across multi and when by about 2012 when i left we almost had 200 stores right mm -hmm. so it's not uh, we were not uh, we were not taking the benefit of this chain stores we were mm. while the branding and the marketing was pan india whatever it is the merchandise was still very 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 localized okay okay which is very different from what most people will talk to you about right they correct, say oh, correct. about every 2 to 20 kilometers the food changes the habits changes etc etc et but what we have found uh, really which is very contra thinking which is what i want to bring about right there are a set of designs which are popular across the markets wonderful okay, right so there is no necessity that you have to keep reinventing the wheel but as long as you are able to identify these kind of and that is possible with the technology with processes and systems which is where the large chains are able to um, you know take advantages of advantage. the scale and yes so there is a bunch of uh, you know designs uh, um, it, I mean, in a, in a men's market, I can say white shirts, right? The white right. shirts, a white shirt is a white shirt, and it should consistently be selling across the markets, right? right. So bro, the challenge really is to make sure that the right size of the white shirt is available consistently. What you'll normally see in many a retail store today is, you know, the 36 and the 38s are not available. Hmm. Right? Yeah, and so, the, those those may be the ones in demand. So so you're right. not. Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, that, that reminds me because I used to be in uh, also in consumer retail, but on the export side of it. And uh, so so I used to find, uh, I'm, I'm sure this is true for jewelry and, and sure garments also, I guess, to some extent. In footwear, uh, when, I, when my European customers used to give assortments uh, and you know, you know different sizes per carton, so the they were not the same number per carton, so they would vary it, right? So 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 the similarly it will be like a binomial distribution, right? That there are those middle sizes which will be uh, a lot more. And then they would say, oh, for, for, for this country, this should be even more and, uh, and okay. that should be less and so on. So, so I guess that's what you're referring to, yes, right? Yes. It should be a normal distribution kind of a thing. Absolutely. So that, that is a, that's a skill and, a, uh, you know, uh, that is, that also, I would say that, you know, it changed the, um, the choice because at the end of the day, uh, we were never really able to compete with a neighboring store who had two times or three times the inventory. Okay. Right? So with whatever uh, we had, right, we had to give the consumer a a choice, which is uh, from where from, we had to make an assortment offering from where she could make a choice, right. So right. earlier we used to have all kinds of uh, skewed merchandise, right. right. So then we bought into what is called as an assortment planning, merchandise planning, right. These were the things that came in around two thousand. Uh, uh, five or two, uh, 2005 or something like that right so all of it we again uh, you know uh, we had external coaches and consultants who taught us because we were not really really born with these uh, you know skills the watches business is more a b2b to b to c right, so right make a range of products put it in the distributors or the retailer and the retailer takes care of the resale 
whereas right. in the tanish system we were technically the retailers some right. of it was company owned some of it was franchisee owned but we were always consumer facing in the tanish business which is a very different model from the watches business so we were forced to learn what is the what was the need consumer for- mindset consumer mindset what is the assortment what what kind of assortment what price points what choice what range what sizes what colors oh that's wonderful that, that's a very complex we were looking at you know at some point of time we were looking at 150000 skus to be ordered at any point of time because you know in the jewelry business one sku you, you can order one piece the order quantity yeah. can be one Right, right. Which is well, not this, at all there in any other industry. Even in the shirts place, maybe I'm there ordering five thousand yeah. shirts or ten thousand yeah, shirts. Yeah. So to be able to create an assortment for one with from one lakh fifty thousand, you know, universe what we used to call and bring it down to a two three thousand SKUs per store is a lot of learning, right? There we started saying that aggregating. Uh, and like the easiest example i gave you is the white shirt example so white shirts are available in all the markets uh, size 36 and 38 and 40 is there 36 and 38 is what sells more how can i ensure that 36 and 38 is always is there wonderful this is wonderful insight shivram uh, that's that's great to understand how this works out in in jewelry and how you guys were different i mean you were you were a path breaker in that in that retail thank you for joining us in yet another episode of move conversations hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the move conversations youtube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes thank you very much till i see you in the next episode thank you very much have a great day